Um, throughout my life, uh, I've had to work really hard at being good. By the way, I love the jackets, the scarves, and the blankets. Um, I have to acknowledge I have to acknowledge this, okay? So just so you know, town hall meeting, okay? You can just take this one off your list, okay? The gas, we found out the gas lines are not hooked up to this building in some way. So we're gonna figure out what to do with that. And uh, so, so, so blankets, might, we're gonna get some space heaters um, somewhere in here as well. So yep, bring your jackets, bring your blankets. Uh, and we're so thankful for this place, aren't we? Right, all right, so good. I'm so thankful for it. Um, so uh, growing up, most of my life, I've had to work really hard at almost everything that I am good at. When I was in high school and I got to play high school varsity basketball, I had to work really hard to get my, my, my elbow in to make a jump shot really good, you know. And uh, by the way, Sinclair made varsity women's basketball at Norco High School this past week. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, right, as a freshman, by the way, as a freshman. So, so cool. So we're praying for Sinclair um, as they get their season going. Um, but uh, when I got to college, I didn't get good grades growing up at all. And when I got to college, I realized I needed to get a job after college. So I started studying hard, needed to work really hard in school to get good grades. And then when we had our kids, um, I had to learn how to be an intentional, compassionate dad. And learn how to father well and read books and talk to people who I admire in the area of fatherhood. Um, and so I've had to work really hard at several areas of my life to be good at them. Uh, but there is one area of my life that I don't need any practice in to be good at. There's one area of my life that um, I don't need any effort, any practice in to actually be proficient in, and that is the area of worry. Worry, just I'm just good at it. I'm just good at going towards worry. I don't know if anybody else relates to that, but I, without any effort at all, can be good at it, can be like a master's at it really easily. Um, you know, our mission statement here is that we want to become a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world. And I love the uh, beautiful uh, sign they put out there two weeks ago. It looks really cool. I love walking out that every day, seeing it, praying it for our church. And um, sometimes on Sunday mornings, I'll stand up here and I feel victorious in my Christian faith. I feel like I'm maturing in my faith and I can stand up here talking about a topic and say, hey, I've experienced like maturity in this way. Uh, and when it comes to this topic though, this topic of worry that we're gonna get into, I am still becoming. Like I am still becoming. And we say that in our mission statement, we are becoming. And so for anyone here, uh, you might feel that same way. Like I am becoming a person who doesn't lean towards worry, and that includes myself. Because at any given moment in my day, whether it's a leadership conversation or issue or a pastoral issue or a personal issue, I can easily go towards worry and fear and anxiety. And today in our passage, we're going to look at a promise that God gives us, a promise that we, I think, really need to memorize, probably need to talk about, after the service is over with, probably need to revisit midweek in your own time with God. It's a promise from God that we really need to grapple with today in the Bible. And it's in Philippians chapter four. So once again, verses four through seven, I'll be read. I'm gonna read verse one just for some context here. So if you have your Bibles, you can look there. It'll be on the screen as well. By the way, if you don't own a Bible, we do have um, guest Bibles in the back. Just take one as your own. Uh, they're not the best ones, but it's a great starter Bible if you need one. Verse one, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. 
Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, on your own power, on your own strength, strategize. No. By prayer and petition, with complaining. No. With thanksgiving. Present your requests to your boss. No, uh, present them to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For us to first really grapple with this promise that God gives us in Philippians chapter 4, we also first have to grapple with the first century problem that was going on in the text. And just so you know, some of our teaching values here is we always want to run the scriptures through what was happening in the first century in their day so that we can properly understand the application for our day. And so in the first century, the Christians in Philippi were being persecuted by the Roman Empire. Uh, That had begun um, sometime around uh, the time that Paul planted this church. And so they were facing the external circumstances of the Roman Empire coming down, cracking down on their faith in Jesus. And as is pretty normal, when there's external struggles, there became some internal conflict as well. That happens oftentimes in our own faith. When there's issues on the outside, there can be issues on the inside of relationships and communities. And so there began to be some conflict within this new baby church that Paul had planted. And Paul alludes to it in verse 4, or rather verse 2 of chapter 4. He says this, I plead with Udai and I plead with Sincha to be of the same mind in the Lord. There was conflict happening in this community. External persecution and then internal conflict. Both of these two things made this community unstable. And anxiety can get created whenever there's unstable circumstances in our life. Whenever there's stress in your life, it's a perfect storm for anxiety. Whenever there's external circumstances that are unstable and internal ones, I'm talking relational ones, employment ones, community ones, it can create anxiety in our life. Uh, 2020 was the mother of all of that, right? And created a lot of instability for us. We have now shrinkflation. Y'all seen that Shaq commercial? Like, shrinkflation, he has a big pizza. It's like, I'm overcoming, I'm shrinkflation, you know, right? We have inflation in our culture. We have uh, cynicism growing towards God. And there's all kinds of things that we could get anxious about, whether real or imagined. And unstable circumstances can create anxiety in our life. But God doesn't want that to happen. In fact, God longs for us to have joy and peace in our hearts. But I don't know anything that steals joy more than anxiety. When people get anxious and fearful and worry, it just takes away from all of our joy in the Lord. Which is why Paul says in verse 1, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I long and long for, my joy and my crown stand firm. Everyone look at that that phrase, stand firm. Paul calls the Philippian church to stand firm in the midst of unstable circumstances. Now notice when he says this phrase, stand firm, he doesn't just jump into some some like aloof, you know, spiritual advice. He first opens up with whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. You know, there's nothing that kind of eases fear and anxiety in our life when someone who loves us a brother or a sister or a friend or a loved one or a spouse just encourages us and affirms us and lifts us up, right? It kind of takes down 
you know, some of the drama that's going on in our life. That's what Paul does right here. And we as a church actually experienced that this past week. Week nine of Rooted was the affirmation week, right, Jacob? Pretty strong stuff. I, I talked to one group leader. They said it wrecked the group in a good way. Like they just walked out like, wow. Someone said they have never experienced a group that just that for, for a couple hours affirming each other. If you weren't in a Rooted group for week nine, the groups affirm each other for gifts and abilities and they pray for each other. And people just walk out so filled with God. There's something that happens on week nine. It's a powerful week. And um, so this church, many of us experience affirmation, how that helps us be equipped to overcome anxiety in our culture. And I, I don't want to miss an opportunity. As Paul, as the, the person who planted the, the church in Philippi uh, did to affirm his church, I just want you to know how thankful I am for you and how proud I am of, of you as our church. I'm proud of the group that came yesterday to, to make this place even better and, and the ownership that took place. And I love what God is doing in this church and in and through you. I love greeting you in the outside at the front door and giving your kids you know, fist bumps and high fives and hearing their stories about what they're doing in their life and in kids' ministry. You know, I love what God is doing. I'm so glad that you are here. And I also know and realize the world that you live in because it's the same world that I live in. And in light of what Paul's words are, I just echo Paul's words, which are really the Holy Spirit's words, stand firm, to stand firm in unstable circumstances. God doesn't want us to cower and to fear. And so he says, stand firm. This, ter this term, stand firm, is actually a military term. It was used for generals to say to the guys in the front line of a battle, stand firm. You, know, you can picture it, right? Front line battle, facing an enemy. That's pretty unstable circumstances, right? Everything in your body is going to want to turn and run for self-preservation. And the guy in charge says, stand firm. And now Paul takes that same word and he says, stand firm. Stand firm. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever's going on in your world, Paul says, stand firm. So in verse 6 and 7, we find out how we can stand firm. Paul says this in verse 6, uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How can we stand firm when there's unstable circumstances in our life, whatever that looks like? God makes a promise in verse 7. The promise is the peace of God will come on us. God's peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The peace, uh, the promise that God gives us to stand firm is that he gives us his own peace. Now this phrase or this word, guard your hearts, that word guard is another military term. And it's a military term to describe a garrison of soldiers. I didn't even know what a garrison was. I thought it was just kind of a group of soldiers that are kind of, um, you know, like a, a battalion or something, a, like a number of them. But a garrison specifically is a group of soldiers assigned to protect a town or a village. And they typically would stand outside of it at the gates or around it and surround it. And so the picture that we have here is imagine whatever your unstable circumstances are. Kind of picture this with me. Imagine you're living in a town. And you find out that some faraway distant enemy has come to attack your town, take your livelihood, you know, steal away all that you have. And you worry, of course, right, like we all would. But then you find out that another army, an allied army, is going to come and they're going to surround your village with an army 10 times the size of the one that's coming up against you. 
The picture that Paul is painting for us is that Jesus is a garrison to your heart when you're anxious. When you face unstable circumstances, the way that God uh, helps us stand firm is he is a garrison around your heart so that whenever unstable circumstances come your way, you can go, Jesus, an army greater than what is coming up against me is guarding my life. It's a reminder that Jesus is in control. A garrison of peace is coming around you to surround your life. Imagine if you thought of that, if you knew that in your mind, okay, garrison of peace, Jesus' peace is going to surround my heart. Let me just ask you, would, would you just go, huh, okay, okay, I'm cool. Like, like be calm, right? <laughs> calm, Jesus has got the whole thing. He's surrounded me, right? That's the promise. This promise of peace, this word peace, has to do with an inner contentment, an inner sense that God is in control, that he's got your life, that he's behind you, that he's more powerful than what you're facing. And so you get a diagnosis that you don't want. And there's real emotion behind it. This passage isn't saying that there's no space to grieve. Oh, there's real emotion that goes with this. What this passage of peace, this promise of peace is saying is that when the diagnosis comes, Jesus promises to guard your heart with a supernatural peace that he knows the end result. It's a supernatural peace that he is in control. Oh, there's going to be grief. There's going to be letting go. There's going to be emotions to kind of work through and work out. But there's a supernatural, it's a super, it's not natural. This peace isn't something that comes when you strategize. I'm a strategizer and I have problems. Anybody else like got a problem, going to figure it out. The peace doesn't come when we strategize. So for anybody who goes to the mind and just says, okay, got to put a plan together. It's not because of that. The peace doesn't come when the problem is gone. Okay. Like, okay, now the problem's gone. I'm good. Okay. I'm fine now. And then the other problem comes. That's what keeps happening. Right? So if we don't learn this moment, this truth, we just go from problem to problem, anxiety spikes goes down, anxiety spikes goes down, worry comes up, unstability. God wants us, God wants you to be a stable follower of Jesus. And the way we learn it is to go, okay, even in the midst of problems and issues and things that are going on in my life, there's a garrison of peace. There can be a garrison of peace. So God's peace can come in the midst of a diagnosis. Um, it doesn't always come when you get cleared of cancer, but it can come as you're being treated for cancer. God's peace um, might not come the day you get the job you want, but God's peace can come when you get let go of the job that you hope for, right? And, and can I, I mean, just say this because I know there's diversity in our, in our church in different ways, but can God's peace come when the person we voted for didn't get elected? or they did get elected? Absolutely, right? You see, th this is a truth that we have to get in our souls. Otherwise, we go from anxiety spike to anxiety spike, and the culture's not gonna help you with it. God's word is gonna help you. Jesus' spirit is gonna help you. And so the peace comes by the Holy Spirit. And since it's a supernatural promise God gives, guess what? There's a supernatural practice we have to do to experience it. Okay, so, so the, the promise is a supernatural peace, and because of that, there's a supernatural 
practice that we have to do to experience it. So look back down at verse 6. Uh, do not be anxious about anything. I'm reading it over and over again because this is a good one to memorize, by the way. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So look down at verse 7. And the peace. That phrase, and, is a result statement. It's a transition word that ends in a result statement, meaning what happens in verse 7 is dependent on what you do in verse 6. God's peace comes as a result of something that we do in verse 6. And what is it that we do? We are to pray. We are to pray. The result of God's peace is to pray. Um, this past week, I saw this Instagram reel. I think hopefully it's, it'll be ready here in a second. Um, of this girl who is a flight um, a pilot, and her landing gear didn't come out when she was trying to land her Cessna. And so she called the control tower for help, and the control tower nicely, calmly coached her to land her plane. So take a look at the screens at this, um, this little zero video. Zero nine draining point. Very light winds, Maggie. Very uh, light left crosswind. So that's uh, all to your advantage. You're doing great. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a perfect job, Maggie. Just treat it like a normal landing. It's going to try to pull to the right. So when that when that, that left main touches down, our uh, right main touches down. Yeah, beautiful job, Maggie. You got a whole bunch of people clapping for you up here. So just make sure you shut the mags off, shut the master off, and get out of the aircraft and away from it as clear as you can. It's awesome, right? So it's a great picture. Seventeen-year-old pilot, by the way, if you didn't catch that. Seventeen-year-old pilot. Trying to land, that's a pretty unstable situation, you think? She calls a control tower. He's just like, you got it, you're good. Landing gear's coming down. That is the picture of this passage. You're in an unstable situation, and God's peace comes, says, I got it, you got it, we're working together on this. Just steady as she goes. I love the end. He's like, get out of the plane, by the way, before it blows up, you know, like, run, Maggie, you know, um, God says, some, says that sometimes too, right? Like, get out of there, right? Um, now, now, here's the, the truth of that video is this. That is what this, picture, this passage looks like. But you and I have to call the control center. You got to call the control center. You got to call God to get the peace that he's going to deliver as the plane is coming down hard, you know? You got to call the control tower to get the calm, coaching voice of the Holy Spirit. So Paul uses four different words of, on prayer in this passage. Verse six is the general word for prayer. And that just has to do with talking to God, a conversation with God. That's all prayer is, a conversation with God. And uh, that's uplifted. Then, of course, there's petition. And the word petition has to do with actually surrendering an outcome to God. It has to do with your outcome is what I want. You know what I'm talking about? Like your will be done, not my will. That's a, that's a part of the wrestling of prayer. That's what petition points to. Then thanksgiving. Gratitude always goes along with prayer, and they're, they're not separate things. And so we're in the Thanksgiving season, and this is why we wanted to do this passage at this point, but gratitude goes with our prayer time. And then your request. This has to do with keeping track of how God is answering prayer and closing doors and opening doors. It's a watchful eye to God so that our faith can grow and not have these anxiety spikes whenever the plane begins to kind of struggle along. Paul basically says this, that for us to experience the supernatural peace of God, it comes in response to a grateful, dependent prayer life with a loving God. Uh, 
Jesus promises his peace, and it comes in a response to a grateful, dependent prayer life that's dependent on a loving God. It's, it's cultivating this life with God. It's cultivating a reliance, a dependence, a gratitude on him. Um, you know, so, you know, my job this morning, and I, I, I wish I could do this, but just to, just to kind of share with you kind of my role and God's role and what I prayed about this week, my, my role is not to get, summon Jesus to get his peace to, to, to come into your unstable situations. Like, I don't have that power. That's, that's what Jesus promises. My job this morning is to encourage you to ask him for it. My job this morning is to encourage you to go to him and talk to him about it. So have you? Have you taken time in whatever unstable circumstances are happening in your life? And I, always, I say this at moments like this sometimes because I don't think guilt and shame are actually helpful in the local church. Um, and so I hope this doesn't bring up guilt and shame. It's like, okay, go to the cross. You're forgiven. Jesus, you know, no condemnation. But the invitation is, have you gone to him? Or did we think that the anxiety goes down when we strategize? No, the anxiety goes down when the supernatural peace of Jesus comes. So have you gone to a journal? Have you taken time to, you know, whatever, however you posture yourself in prayer? It's on your knees. It's in a, if it's in a, a, in a recliner in the backyard. Have you taken time to bring to him your requests, your prayer, your gratitude, and surrendered at his feet? The truth this morning um, is this, that when the problem is worry, the prescription is prayer, and the promise is peace. When the problem is worry, the prescription is prayer, and the um, promise is peace. I, I like that too. That's solid, yeah. I know. Uh, the enemy of peace that was found in verse 5. Look down with me again. Let your, uh, 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 sorry, uh, I just lost my place. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, do not be anxious about anything. Anxiety is the enemy of peace. A research study was done about anxiety. They found out that 40% of the things that we worry about never happen. 30% of the things that we worry about are about, about circumstances in our past that we can't change. 10% of the things that we worry about are about people that we have no influence over. Only 8% of the things we worry about have a basis of reality. So this can be helpful for some people. Or you're like, oh, wow. Or it can tell us that that 8% controls our heart a lot, right? Like, too, like, it controls our heart a ton. The Greek word for anxiety in this passage is a two-fold word. It means divided and mind. The biblical idea of anxiety is that your heart and mind are divided. They're pulled in different directions. So there's different issues going on. There's different things happening in your life. Um, you know, for one that most of us are probably going to deal with right now, right, is how do I pay my bills and give my kids Christmas presents? How do I pay my bills, pay my rent, but give my kids some good gifts and, and, and do all the Christmas things that are coming up right now? That's a big one. And those are issues pulling us apart. And then maybe we feel some shame, some anger that we don't make enough money or we can't make more than we to give our kids more or our family more. Like those are different issues all pulling at the same time. Anxiety is a surface level feeling that often hides deeper feelings of embarrassment, fear, loneliness, shame, sadness. When we feel anxious, it's because our souls and minds are divided by multiple issues and feelings happening at the same time. 
Friends, I hate anxiety. I hate anxiety. I hate what anxiety does to you. I hate anxiety, what it does to people in our world. I hate that it takes you from the present moment to enjoy what God has for you, the life that you get to live. And I think Jesus hates anxiety way more than anybody in this room. I hate anxiety. God doesn't want us to live lives of worry and anxiety. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says this, for God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Like that's who God is. That's his character. He's a God of peace. And he equally wants us to experience that same shalom, that same peace that he wants for us. And so um, God has peace for us. He wants us to be peaceful people. And it comes from cultivating a dependent, grateful life of prayer with a loving God. Now, this passage isn't talking to us specifically about anxiety. This passage is actually really giving us a vision for what prayer life could be. Because I think sometimes when we think about prayer, we have a little box. This is an invitation to a different prayer life, a deeper prayer life. One where we cultivate a life with Jesus, where we experience this garrison of peace around our heart. And this week, um, Tori, maybe it wasn't this week, but recently, Tori um, experienced this very thing, and we talked about it in our teaching team, and uh, I, I just was so moved by the story that I asked Tori to share with us all about how this played out in your life. So, Tori, can you tell yeah. us the story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, um, the last couple of months, I've been trying this new kind of prayer journaling technique, um, and I'll just tell this before I share the story, just kind of set it up, but um, basically I journal kind of what I'm feeling, so I like almost do like a body scan, so I'm like, oh my gosh, am I anxious, am I um, like angry, Any like any emotions, and I'll just kind of journal it out as a prayer to the Lord, and I'll be like, Jesus, this is why I'm, I'm feeling this because of this, because of this, and then I take a second, and I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me, and then I journal back as if the Lord is speaking to me, um, and so in this one particular moment, I was planning a birthday party for my friend, and she loves birthday parties, and she loves her birthday, and I was already had so much on my plate and I was so overwhelmed. I was like, oh my gosh, this party's not going to go well. No one's going to come. No one's going to like love on her. And I was just, it was giving me the most insane anxiety. Like I could barely do anything else. And so I took a moment and I did this thing and I was like, Jesus, I'm just feeling so anxious that she's not going to feel loved, that people aren't going to like show up and celebrate her. And then took a moment and I asked the Lord to speak to me. And then I journaled it back out. And he was like, Tori, let me love on her. Like, let me bring people to celebrate her. It's not all on you. And it, I don't even, I can't even explain it, but it was just like, my to-do list was just as long, but I just had peace about it. Like I was like, oh yeah, my motivation is different. I don't have to love her, um, or love on her or celebrate her because of to like get to an end goal. Like I can actually enjoy the party now. So it was like a very small moment, but I shared that with Aaron because I was like, oh, yeah, I put this into practice in my day. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that great? So, yeah. Thank you, Tori. I appreciate it. Yeah. So that, I mean, just a little window into the, the, the situation isn't gone. Uh, the strategy maybe didn't work the way it wanted. She goes to the Lord and she experiences the work of the Spirit's peace in her life. Pretty cool. Um, so I have a couple of thoughts just pastorally as we kind of wind down this morning. And I realize that many of us um, may have some chronic anxiety. That you may actually have a, like a low-grade anxiety all the time. Uh, and so you might have this and you might wonder, is this peace promise that is in this passage, is it for me? Does it include me? And so I, I realize that a passage like this has the potential to doing some damage. It has a potential to discourage people that maybe they're not doing it right 
or maybe God's promises aren't for them. And so, again, a couple of thoughts. First, Jesus' promises for peace here are for, are, are for anybody with any type of anxiety. It's not limited to your chronic anxiety. Now, I'm not a licensed Christian therapist. Um, we actually have a number of them in this room, and I sent my, my, my manuscript, my, my message notes, to three therapists uh, in our congregation this week and said, hey, can you look this over? Make sure that I'm saying something that's pastorally caring and sensitive and biblical. And I love that we get to do that because that's how we get to care and use our gifts together in that. Um, so I'm not a therapist, but I am a pastor who cares for souls. And I do know that there are many different things that cause people anxiety. It can cause uh, from your diet to your lack of sleep to uh, our lack of exercise. Uh, uh, anxiety can be spiked because of uh, kids, what you go through an abusive situation as a child that comes up in the present moment. Um, anxiety uh, can also be uh, connected to brain chemistry and all of that. And for anyone here with chronic anxiety, what I have witnessed and personally experienced is there is an incredible healing power when we cultivate an unhurried, unbusy life of prayer with Jesus. Um, if you're struggling with chronic anxiety, there's a book I recommend to you. It's a short book. We like short books. Books. It's called Finding Quiet, My Story of Overcoming Anxiety and the Practices That Brought Peace by one of the greatest Christian philosophers in America today, Dr. J.P. Moreland. If you know Dr. J.P. Moreland, he is brilliant. He is an incredible guy. He teaches at Biola University, and he uh, struggles with chronic anxiety. And he found in his life peace from God in the midst of his chronic anxiety. And this book outlines his own journey through it. It's really encouraging, but also gives some great practices to what we can do. And in this book, he cites a woman named Dr. Susan Mudo, a researcher in the field who shares that cultivating an unhurried life of prayer with Jesus attunes us to the presence of God. It stills the heart, it guards the soul, it liberates us from evil thoughts, it evokes the power of Jesus. That's a pretty good thing right there. Like, that's, a good, that's a good number of, of things. And then journalist Robert Mall discovered that 12 minutes of this short, attentive, focused prayer each day for eight weeks can change the anxiety-provoking brain chemistry enough to be detected by a brain scan. Prayer has a power of taking down chronic anxiety. So cultivating a life of unbusy, unhurried prayer has this power to do that. And I, I can speak personally to this own thing, because in 2003, I was diagnosed with a general anxiety disorder. And over the years, I've learned to manage it with prayer and reliance and relationship. Um, it came out of a season of difficulty and pain in my early 20s. And I can just attest to the fact that even if someone struggles with a low-grade anxiety like I do and can get spiked with stress, um, that it is very possible to encounter Jesus' presence. In fact, I'll talk about it in a moment. But I encountered so much peace this morning in my prayer time. It was an unbelievable time. And so this passage is for you if you struggle in the same way. Um, what I've also learned is that mental health services are really important. And so if you do struggle with chronic anxiety, to go find a good Christian therapist. And what a good Christian therapist is going to do is they're going to help you sort out all of the things that are nagging at you, all the issues, right, the divided mind, that, right, the, the definition of, of, of anxiety. They're going to help sort that out for you so that you can encounter God's peace more and more in your life. And so don't be... Um, don't be shy from those things. We think they're really important. Now, but what about us in here who don't struggle with chronic anxiety, but maybe we're cynical towards this promise? Maybe you're like, oh, I've prayed before. This didn't happen to me. Like, this is not true. How about us? Well, um, number two, Jesus' promise of peace involves our time and our thanksgiving. And I want to talk about that. Um, when it says that we're to pray uh, and then God's peace comes, it's not talking about throwing up some 
quick little prayer in the Vaughn's parking lot when we're stressed out. You know, like we've all done that. And let me just say, God's peace can come in that moment, right? We've, we've experienced that. I've experienced that. Um, but imagine with me uh, if my amazing wife and I were talking and I just complained to her that she didn't care about my needs. And I, this is how I did it. What, let's just imagine I'm walking in our kitchen and I go, Krista, I'm overwhelmed as a dad. And I just keep walking. And, you know, she's pouring her cup of coffee and she's like, okay, that just happened right now. And imagine I go back and I say, you don't care for me. That wouldn't be a very good case for making an accusation that Krista didn't care, right? Uh, in a healthy marriage, uh, you, I would go to her and I say, you know, I'm just, I've hit a wall with parenting. I, I don't know what to do anymore. I, we got to figure this out. And Krista would say, and she would, she, this is what she does say. Oh, well, thank you for sharing with me. Let's get a cup of coffee and let's figure out a plan together, right? That's what it would look like. And in the same way, when we're in a situation where we're anxious, Paul uses the word prayer four different ways, indicating this is not a, a drive-by prayer time with God. This is a cultivating a life of prayer with Jesus so that we can invite him to speak to us in the quiet of our hearts. This is a, a time to hear from him. Right, so one of my favorite verses, this is the one I meditated on today, with Psalm 139, 23, and 24. It says this, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This is the invitation of God to look at our hearts, help us figure out our heart, see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. You see, the Holy Spirit becomes for us like a therapist who knows more, who sees more, who understands more underneath the surface of our life, and he starts sorting through things. That's what he did for me this morning. He brought something up for me that just calmed me down. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Thank you, God. He knows things about you that, that no one else knows that only he can bring up. And so this was a cultivating of a slow life of prayer with Jesus. Um, and the second thing, we have to um, put it together with thanksgiving. Uh, very often when people pray, they don't thank God. They just kind of give the, the request, right? And then they walk away it's with thanksgiving. There has to be gratitude in our time of prayer with him. Uh, so in verse five, uh, or verse four, uh, it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Paul says that rejoicing goes with prayer, right? Thanksgiving, that's how we encounter it. And one of the best ways to experience God's present peace when we're anxious is to remember his past peace. Remember what he did in the past for you? And what I have found is that if I'll go back to the past peace, when God showed up, remember that time when you were stressed and he showed up? And, oh, yeah. Remember that time when I needed a job and he got me a job? Remember that time when, you know, so-and-so got sick and then, got, yeah, yeah. Remember that time? Oh, yeah, yeah. And by the time I walk my way through the past of God's peace and faithfulness, I get to the present and there's a garrison of peace guarding my heart. It's Jesus surrounding me again. And then what I find as well, when it says the Lord is near, it's not just speaking of God's presence now, it's speaking of his future presence. And we believe that Jesus will return one day that we're not just going to heaven, but heaven's coming to earth. And when Jesus comes, he will do away with all, all death. He'll do away with all anxiety. He'll do away with all pain, no more tears. And what I have found is when I'm presently anxious, 
and I begin to focus in on the future peace of his coming. One day, one day it's not going to be this way, God. One day evil won't reign. One day sickness won't reign. One day, one day, God, anxiety won't dominate. Fear won't dominate. What I find is as I go and look to the future, somehow that future peace begins to slowly make its way down to the present. And I have this like garrison of peace in the present moment around my heart. When the problem is worry, the prescription is prayer, and the promise is peace. So friends, church, would you ask him? And shall we ask him? This morning, what I want to do is just slow down because we live in a hurried culture. And surprise, it's the holidays. It's not getting any slower between now and New Year's. So this morning, we want to activate a little bit of that, that unhurried muscle. And I just want to take 30 seconds. And we're going to just let the Holy Spirit, God's own presence, search us and know us, try us, see if there's any anxious thoughts. This might be new, might be very personal. And we're just going to invite God just to search us and anything that's anxious on your heart today. It is not, don't be scared of it. Don't be afraid of it. Just allow it to come up and say, God, this is is worrying me right now. And then after we do that, I'm just going to take another 30 seconds and we're just going to thank God because nothing breaks through like gratitude. And so would you bow your heads with me and pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for these passages that are so practical. The Lord is near. And so we simply want to come and be unhurried, be unbusy from the stress of our world. And just for a moment, Holy Spirit, would you search us and know us, try us, and test our anxious thoughts. And then as the passage says, lead us in the everlasting way. Take 30 seconds 